This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program. We are in the second hour of the Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for being here with me this evening. Thanks for staying up with me. Uh, I, uh, the holidays are over. I actually got a uh, hot pink metallic light up womanizer for christmas no i'm kidding it wasn't a womanizer but isn't that a good idea we should uh, make them all hot pink metallic and light up little bells and whistles at the end of it all um but uh no i got a fidget spinner that was hot pink metallic and lights up how cool is that do they know me or what um on this hour of the program we're talking about uh Lots of different things. We're going to finish off with the couple who has joined me to talk about their own personal uh, personal pathway of porn addiction. We're also going to be talking about whether or not you were uh, too hungover for a little loving on New Year's Day. Did you refrain from a romp in the hay on New Year's Day? Well, you should not have. Here's a little medicine for 2018. Also going to be talking about... Why uh, fewer kids are having sex earlier and why that is. They're also engaging in less dangerous and less risky behaviors. So that's a good thing. Uh, Also going to be talking about estrangement because that is something that happens around the holidays, but it happens at other times as well. Someone doesn't approve of that guy you like? Yeah. I knew somebody who wasn't going to stay with a man she was crazy about, had the best sex ever of her life, but he was about eight years older, and she said that her friends didn't approve because he was older, and they thought she should be with somebody younger. I disagree. I thought she should stay with him, and she has done so. But you know, that judgment from other people can really have an impact on relationships. We are also talking a lot about psychopaths in the in the news these days. There are the stable geniuses out there, and then there are the unstable idiots. <laughs> uh, but anyway, nonetheless, what do psychopaths drink? That What is their favorite drink? So for the 60,000th caller, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Like the sixth caller. How about that? Uh, If you call in and tell me what the most popular drink for psychopaths is, you will win the prize. And the prize is going to be a womanizer. My favorite, uh, and should be yours too, ladies, favorite sex toy. It is a clitoral suckling device, and uh, it uh, never disappoints, let me tell you. It might be too much for some, some ladies, but anyway... For those experienced ones, no, it's just fine. But a lot of women can't experience orgasm or have difficulty. Well, no more. The womanizer will certainly end that for you. So, but you can win one tonight if you know what is the drink of choice of psychopaths. But for the moment, we and the number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell six caller. But now we're going to get back to the porn addiction that we were talking about. I have... Victoria and Sam in the studio, and they're sharing their story. And Victoria, this is her second marriage and the second time that she uh, has been in a marriage that involved a porn addiction. She's under the age of 30, well under the age of 30. And so, uh, you know, that's that's a lot to contend with at such a young age. Thanks again for sharing your story, Victoria. I appreciate that. Now, Sam is also here. Sam is the partner in the relationship that has the addiction to porn. So, Sam, it's a very common thing, especially uh, young men grew up with such easy access to high-speed online porn. Um, I, can, you, can you walk us through, please, what um, your experience has been with this, what happened, how it happened, how you knew you had a problem? Absolutely. And thanks for having us on, Maureen. 
Uh, so for me, it started at about 12. Uh, my brother actually was the one that showed me porn the first time. Uh, it was a magazine back then. I'm a little bit older. So, you know, for a lot of years, it was just magazines whenever I could get them. And then it was videos occasionally as I got older. And then once high-speed internet porn came on the scene, it was, you know, high-speed internet porn. You know, at first, Pornhub wasn't really a big uh, player on the scene. Originally, it was just kind of you would go out and have to find things online. And then Pornhub came on, and that was really where I just kind of stayed on that specifically. Um, So for me, it wasn't like a lot of men that uh, have a porn addiction um, it didn't progress in the way that it, it does for a lot of men. Um, I didn't go too far away from what I would consider to be normative hom- or heterosexual values. I didn't, you know, get into the, the weird stuff or anything like that. For me, it was more of a function when Victoria was the one that really is the catalyst for me to realize, like, I, well, I have a problem here. I have a real issue. Um, and the reason- How does your issue manifest itself? Oh man, for me it's it's been it's really something that's hard to put your finger on when you're in it. But for me, I've had I've had to go to the uh, the psychiatric ward three times. Um, feelings of depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, real disconnection from everyone in my life. Have not built a lot of strong relationships with people, um, family, friends. Um, romantic relationships especially um i was talking with a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about what it's like and you know he said something i thought was pretty pretty bang on i think i can say on the radio he said you know when when you're in it and you're with a per another person you know being intimate it's not like there's the intimacy there it's more like you're just masturbating with you know another person in the room essentially you're just masturbating inside of another person you know so there's there's no real intimacy that gets built inside of of that and for me it was really when victoria you know she had kind of this first relationship and then with me she asked me you know are you into porn and you know i wasn't really honest with her about it at all cuz you know one thing about an addiction is it's something that you're going to lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. Addicts lie. Let me let me back yeah. up there for a second, please, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Um, were you watching porn every day? Were you viewing porn every day? Was it interfering with your life? Was it something compulsive? You had to do this. Not at all. So that's that's what makes it so unique in, in that it's not a function of how often I was watching it. It's a function of how long I, was, I had been watching it. So I might go weeks and never, you know, look at it. But it was always one of those things that at some point, even if I had told myself, okay, this is the last time. I'll do it one more time, and, you know, that's and it. And why were you telling yourself this was the last time? Well, I grew up in a, in, a, in a very religious household. So, you know, I have been – there were values that were instilled in me, and I could tell that it was running contrary to that value set that I have. And every time I would finish, it wasn't like – yay, I just looked at porn again, and and now I feel wonderful. It was like, you know, I felt like I wasted a lot of time. I felt like I was powerless because I had really not wanted to engage in that, but it was like just kind of one of those habitual things that 
it just happened. It's and it was like it was running me, and I wasn't running it. And it led to anxiety for you. Uh, major anxiety. I mean, because you know, one thing that's been great about this experience, it's really been a blessing to 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 find out that I have this addiction and to really address it head on. It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I gotta, you know, just be straight about that. So, one thing that's there is, you know. Anything in life affects everything else. Mm-hmm. So living a life where I wasn't being honest with my wife, I wasn't being honest with other people in my life about, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of secret thing that I was doing and couldn't control. So. Exactly. Now, now, Victoria, interesting, you had a previous marriage that where you were married to a person who had a porn addiction mm-hmm. as well. And so you asked the question of this new lover, this new man yeah. in your life. And, and need, needless to say, you would be on guard of this or your hackles would be up or, you know, some antenna. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And so you ask him, you know, do you engage in porn? And, and his response was no. And did you believe him at that time? I mean, uh, you didn't believe him? No, right? not at all. It was... It, it not at all because was I'm it saying a sixth that, sense or um it was it was uh so first of all I'm very intuitive I could pick up on things like that guilt and shame especially with someone who is you know a good person at heart mm-hmm. like Samus and I could pick up on that and it was the second time already that I've been dealing with someone that is hiding someone and you know the there's some things in the in the bedroom that were coming up that I didn't understand because. I can say right away, we've made a choice when we first got together that we'll have sex every day for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And I was very open to any things and fantasies that he desired and vice versa. And it just never seemed enough. And, um, you know, it's just always been like, why, you know, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And like, what were I'm those in great that shape. Were happening? You know, like, um, you, you can, okay with saying yeah, yeah. You um you know it was things with um ejaculation and mm-hmm. things with performance and things with like you know sex wasn't like um a fun thing in the journey mm-hmm. it was like a tough job and this task that we have to do together and we, you know he's got to come and we trying all those different things and we we're kind of like boxing it was like a boxing match well well when somebody know. sets out to have sex every day for mm-hmm. a year i mean that that's a big order that's a tall order even you know here on the sunday night sex show i mean and so lots of things can Mm -hmm. can happen as a result of that anyway we're going to go to break we're going to finish this conversation when i come back i am maureen mcgrath you are listening to the sunday night sex show on cknw Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We've had a number of calls. We've had five calls uh, with regard to my prize tonight, which is the the hot pink metallic light-up womanizer. No, it doesn't have all those other features, but it is amazing, and I'm giving it out as a gift, as a prize for you. If you can guess the type of alcoholic drink that psychopaths drink and... um, Somebody called in and they guessed beer. That would basically mean that every Canadian male <laughs> was a psychopath. Uh, anyway, so it's not beer. It's not orange juice. Not whiskey. <laughs> Guess again and give me a call. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. At the moment, we are talking with Victoria and Sam, a couple that has been married just a short while. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're talking about the porn addiction of your husband, Victoria. And you mentioned that you... 
uh, asked him if he had a porn addiction. He basically lied to you, um, but you didn't really believe him. And then you married him anyway. <laughs> that might raise a few eyebrows, but that's okay. Um, but what's more interesting is that you wanted him to have sex with you for a year. Was that in some way? Um, was that in some way a protectionary measure, just to guarantee that he that he didn't um, have a porn addiction? Um, in a way, um, you know, now I can look back at it is it's, um, I just set up for myself that I just want to show up as just a dream lover and wanted to, um, you know, at that time it was a profound intimacy. What we, when we first got together two years ago, we talked about profound intimacy and mm-hmm. we talked about porn and, you know, Sam said, yeah, I've watched some porn in the past and, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't really like dive into the the, right. the issue and then we moved into what we want to do and you know first 50 days we've 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 had a lot of sex and and then we just move with it we were like why don't we just have it for a year because it's mm-hmm. just great it's awesome and and uh, the first few months were just you know issues were coming up and i was like what's happening and and it really after probably like a year i was thinking he's probably watching porn because you know i would come home and we'll just get frisky and have fun and you know in the middle of it it's like nothing is happening (laughs) and and what were those things that were happening or not happening to you uh sam in the middle of it yeah so what was not happening for me was um being present there with her in the moment and uh because i was always in my head because that's what porn addiction really is is Mm -hmm. it's it's being imprisoned in your own mind Mm -hmm. for for you know a lot of men this and me and you know specifically what was happening was uh you know it would take forever and it was like i would have so much anxiety about whether or not i was gonna be able to even finish to ha- to ejaculate to Basically, ejaculate. Have, a lot of men have problems with ejaculation that have yeah. a porn addiction and how about erection function did you have difficulty with that well you know we were sometimes it'd be like an hour and then you know after 15 20 30 minutes i would you know my pencil wouldn't have any lead in it and then you know she would have to restart the engine and then mm-hmm. you know we'd go again for another mm-hmm. 30 minutes to the point that it was just right you a know, job a, a job exactly sounds like a real chore so yeah. so you've unfortunately or maybe fortunately because sometimes you have to hit rock bottom mm-hmm. soft Middle, you know, soft or hard, <laughs> unintended, um, high, low, medium. Uh, and uh, so you hit rock bottom and, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I think, uh, you know, entering into a psychiatric ward three times, you know, mm-hmm. um, would certainly be that. So what are you doing now for your sex, uh, your porn addiction, which is a sex addiction, a type of sex addiction? Yeah, actually, on, on recommendation from you to, uh, to Vicky. I am in a 12-step program, uh, essay program, um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm working the steps right now. Um, the 12 steps? Mm-hmm. Right, the yeah. 12 steps. Um, Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been wonderful. It's very helpful. I, rec- I highly recommend it to anyone who uh, is, is maybe considering stopping or has stopped and wants to, mm-hmm. to stay stopped. Um, the main thing that I did was I stopped. <laughs> mm-hmm. That... Uh, is something I would encourage all of your listeners if they think they don't have a problem, then just take the 90 day challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. Just don't use it for 90 days. Yeah. And if during that 90 days you find that you don't have either the willpower or you slip up, yep. 
you should look into some resources. One that one thing that I really did that I recommend as well is uh, I educated myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a great book called Your Brain on Porn. Yeah. And it's a fantastic read for anyone that wants to get more educated about this. And Excellent. Then, and yeah. Fight the Drug as well as another fight website. Fight the New Drug. Yeah. Fight the New fight Drug. The new drug. Mm-hmm. As a website, Vicki and Sam, thank you so much for coming into the studio. I really appreciate it. If you want more information about this, you can email me, and I will forward your information on to Vicki and Sam if you have a problem with addiction. We have to get to some of these callers. I see mm-hmm. that they are lining up. We've got uh, <laughs> drum roll, please. Hello, Fred. What is the favorite drink of psychopaths? Oh, I would have to think... Uh a Bloody Mary with a shot of tequila. Oh, not the one, Fred, but thanks anyway. Next we have Nola. Hello, Nola. Hi there. Hi. I'm going to say gin. No, that's not it either. Nope. <laughs> but thank you so much. Uh, let's say Marissa from Coquitlam. Oh, I was going to say gin and tonic. Well, you won. Bingo. <laughs> Because it is actually gin and tonic. Yes. Well, good for you, Marissa. I'm glad you won. You have to get the full thing here. It's all in or nothing, right, on the Sunday Night Sex Show. It's <laughs> Anyway, well, congratulations. That's what it is. And uh, if you could just stay in line and give your information to my fine board operators over there, that would be absolutely grand. And so according to... Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, according to a research study, uh, this, this was found to be um, the favorite drink of psychopaths because they tested the drinks that people drank compared with uh, some of their personality traits. And those people that actually like to inflict harm on other people, those malevolent people in the world, they had a tendency to drink gin and tonics. I'm not going to fess up whether I drank them or not. You, Neither are you, Andrew. We're not giving away. <laughs> Anyway, well, thank you all so much. Thanks to uh, my guests. And uh, we'll come back for the final strokes of the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Welcome back to the final strokes of the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting the program for you. Uh, So I wanted to mention, I want to read some of your emails in this last part of the the program. but I do want to say that, you know what? I was feeling a little bit badly. We had so many callers, Andrew, didn't we? And uh, we gave away the womanizer. But I, I have written a book called Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. And so we were looking for the alcoholic drink. Hopefully I specified that. But anyway, drink is a drink. Now we're looking for the favorite <laughs> non-alcoholic drink of um, sociopaths, psychopaths and sociopaths. So what would be the favorite? I give you a little hint before. So what would be the favorite drink? Give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell, and you can win my book. I'll send it out to you, Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. I want to read an email from you. I love your emails. Email me anytime, sextalk at cknw.com, or you can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. And if you didn't win the Womanizer, you can actually purchase one, and you'll want to. On my website, backtothebedroom.ca. It will change your life. It will make 2018 the best year ever. Okay? (laughs) That's why I have fabulous years, one after another. Uh, (laughs) I own nine of them. No, I'm just kidding. Twelve. All right. Dear Maureen, I just watched your TED Talk on no-sex marriage. I like the talk and feel you left out something quite important. Women will not have sex with a husband who does not show them respect, who belittles them, criticizes them, and does not put daily effort into giving kind words, sitting down, 
and having a deep conversation with us, showing us they are genuinely interested in who we are and what we think. I feel that you telling women to just go have sex with their husbands because someone else might is giving incorrect advice. You're telling us that it's okay if our partner disrespects us to just put out anyway, which in turn is disrespecting ourselves. I've been in a sexless marriage for 10 years and my husband doesn't get it. I have several friends in the same situation as I am and they all say the same thing. Just thought I would share. Sincerely, Carly. Carly, your husband is getting it. Let me tell you, first of all, 10 years of a sexless marriage. Okay, that's number one. Number two, what everybody says, every woman that I speak to in my clinical practice anyway, I say, what if he cheats? What if he goes outside the relationship? They all say they'll kill him. But here's the other thing. This is a tall order, okay? You can maybe get one of these from a guy if you're in a heterosexual relationship. Okay, show some respect, Okay, that's all it takes to have a little sex. Okay, so they belittle you here and there. I mean, what guy is actually going to be able to fulfill this? Sit down and have a deep conversation? There's not a man on the planet. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. But I mean, really, to do that on a daily basis? I don't think so. So you have to actually be realistic. And by the way, I'm really not being defensive. I didn't say go have sex with your husband even if they disrespect you, of course not. If there's unresolved conflict in a relationship that's going to lead to low sexual desire, I do believe I said that in that TEDx talk called No Sex Marriage, Masturbation, Cheating, Loneliness, and Shame that has had over 9 million views, by the way, just saying. Um, But I did say that uh, if you don't feel like it, if you don't realize the importance of intimacy in a marriage, in a relationship, it's very important. And you know what? Sometimes you just don't feel like doing it, but you got to do it anyway. And if you enjoy it, uh, if you (laughs) enjoy it, um, then we call that responsive desire. And that's just going to help your relationship. So that's all I was trying to say, Carly. So... I would uh, caution that a 10-year sexless marriage is is risky and probably has uh, gone beyond the confines of trust at this time. Okay, but thanks so much. Here's another email. Hi, Maureen. I'm in Australia, so unfortunately cannot come in for a visit. I heard your TEDx talk last night and it really resonated with me, especially what you said about the sex education. I have an 18-month-old daughter, so obviously trying to jump the gun a bit, but was wondering if you had any resources for teaching our young girls how to be sexually empowered. I'd love to read about your thoughts on when and how we should introduce the concept as to try and counteract all the misinformation and fear out there about being sexually active. Look forward to hearing from you. You know, sex education is important. We need to start this conversation as early as possible. It's around um, body parts, educating uh, your children about the correct body parts so that there's no shame. We don't want to instill shame or undue pressure on a child at, a, at an age. So you want to make sure that they are, um, that it's developmentally appropriate when you start having uh, the sex talk. And you can start as early as, as age three, uh, you know, just depends on, on the child, even age two. Um, and so there are certain things that you may want to say. Uh, and so it can start, but as long as you are developmentally appropriate, and I will post some resources on my website, backtothebedroom.ca. We don't have a lot of time 
to go in them uh, into those right now. Uh, here's another one I just wanted to address. Somebody asked me, and I like to actually answer every single email that I get um, it, within the, you know a decent amount of time. I try to do it right away. But this person I tried to email back, and I couldn't because your email didn't work. I tried several times. I tried looking you up on LinkedIn. I tried looking you up on Facebook. And so I thought, ah, oh, last thing I can do is announce it on the show. I won't give your name, of course. But, um, dear Maureen, I'm hoping you might be able to assist me in locating a pelvic floor physiotherapist on the North Shore. Uh I thought if anyone would know, it would be you. I've been dealing with right pelvic hip pain and tightness for almost eight years. I have pretty much tried every therapy available with little or no improvement. I'm currently working with a registered massage therapist, and he suggested looking into a pelvic floor therapist. So I would suggest, I'm going to give her name, Jillian McCormick. She is on the North Shore, uh, and she is, by far, she is uh, just an amazing pelvic floor physiotherapist. So Jillian McCormick. And uh, if you would like to email me again uh, to the person who emailed me, Robin, um, I by all means can uh, email you back. Um, so those are some of the emails that I've gotten. Another email that I got, a guy asked me if he could just um, just shoot a few things by me. And he just had a couple of questions he wanted to ask me. And he sent me literally a four-page Microsoft uh, Word document. So I can't go through all of it. Um, but he basically wanted to talk about his thoughts and impressions on women that are based both on personal experience and a hell of a lot of observation. He was hoping as a woman, I can give him good, honest and impartial feedback. He's not much of a people person, he says. And when he's unfortunate enough to be surrounded by them, he does a lot less talking and more watching and listening. And this comes uh, applies to women as, as well, women that he's around or maybe in a room with. Um, he, he said he thinks it might be relatively safe to say that he hates women with a passion. He was once married to an Oxycontin addict who used to crush and snort her pills on a daily basis and who also left him and their daughter, who was still in a baby carrier at the time. Uh, this was years ago, although there's no question that she was a deplorable person. And I wouldn't I would disagree with that. She's not a deplorable person. She was a person with an illness, a person with an addiction who needs help. Um, so he claims she's a deplorable person who would do anything to get her way, but that's, that's the way of the illness. The addicts lie. Um, and so she did, she manipulated her family. She was, she was not the ultimate source of his negative conclusions on women, despite popular opinion from those who surround him. So it doesn't sound like he's taking great advice, but he claims that she was the, the start, the tip of the iceberg that woke him up and got him to pay attention. And so that's really all that I can address of his email uh, t tonight. I'll have to carry on throughout the coming weeks. But um, if you have a disdain for people, if you have a disdain for women, you know, again, go back to my three rules for a happy new year. You know, you can never change anybody else. You can only change yourself. Nobody can help you. You can help yourself. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, what makes you better than somebody else that you can actually hate uh, an entire sex uh, of women. You are the one missing out. You actually sound like you're miserable to me. And, uh, and maybe, you know, I'm certain that you suffered a trauma. It is, it's extremely challenging to live with an addict. Uh, they, they lie. They may have anger issues. They may have depression and anxiety. They may have unreliable, uh, unreliability in terms of finances, uh, in terms of job. They may have problems with relationships. I mean, there are numerous issues that can occur. And so um, this is something that um, this gentleman needs to heal 
from and um, perhaps is has codependency, but he definitely needs to heal, needs to process the trauma that he has been through. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Maureen McGrath in the final strokes of the program here. And uh, so we have another little question there. Give me a call if you know the favorite non-alcoholic drink of psychopaths and sociopaths. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to talk about teenagers having sex. And there's a new study out there that fewer teens are having sex as declines in risky behaviors continues, which is good news. Uh, But first, I believe we have Johnny on the line. Hello, Johnny. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm great. How are you tonight? I'm fine, thank you. So uh, did you know which non-alcoholic drink is a favorite of psychopaths? Um, I'm going to guess black coffee. You got it. Bingo. Well done. Do you drink black coffee? (laughs) It's my favorite, actually. Is there some reason you know every black coffee drinker out there is cringing right now? Doesn't mean you're a psychopath, (laughs) but I thank you so much for the call. So you've won my book. I'm sorry you didn't win the womanizer. (laughs) A little light reading for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Maureen. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, so we're going to go back to uh, teens having... A decline in risky behavior. So the number of high school age teenagers who are having sex dropped markedly over a decade. This happened between uh, the years 2013 and 2015 was the was when this was studied. And that included substantial uh, declines among younger students. So there was a survey that was done by the CDC and that showed especially deep deep. Steep declines, sorry, uh, over those two years, 2013 to 2015. And so it adds to the evidence about ongoing progress in reducing risky behavior by teenagers who are becoming pregnant, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, and using marijuana at rates lower than younger people before them, according to these public health surveys. So early initiation of sexual activity is associated with having more sexual partners, therefore having a risk of Uh, greater risk of acquiring a sexually transmitted infection, not using condoms, pregnancy, all of this during adolescence is what the report noted. And it called the falling rate of sexual activity among ninth and 10th graders especially encouraging. Now, they don't know why this is, but you can't help but say that there's more direct and more important access in schools and online to straight up information about sex and contraception. And so this is a very important subject. Um, Needless to say, of course, I believe in it. Um, But uh, uh, I do host a sex show, so I am a little bit biased. But um, so it's important to talk to your children about sex. Don't make it a shameful thing. It can be, um, you know, something that they, you don't want them laughing about it, snickering about it. I mean, all kids do that. Um, But you know what? You want to make it as straightforward a conversation as possible and always uh, allow them the ability or... uh, to come and speak to you about it, their parents. Uh, it's the mo- one of the most important educators in the sexual health field. I want to talk to you a little bit about estrangement. We probably saw this, you, maybe some of you experienced this around the holidays. You're no longer talking to your mother. Can that be? I actually know somebody who is in a lawsuit with their parents. And, uh, you know, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta wonder. Um, how can somebody, how can something get to that state uh, that you actually end up suing 
your parents or your parents end up suing you. You guessed it. It's probably about money. Um, and so it's it's very difficult, this estrangement, because people can get offended very easily. They can feel that somebody did something on purpose, like perhaps they asked their daughter-in-law to bring a particular pie to the Christmas dinner last year, and she brought cake instead. And so they took that as a personal affront, and they were insulted and offended and are no longer speaking. It can literally be something as little as that. I was actually struck over the holidays. I learned that a patient of mine had had died um, a year before. I didn't know about it. I don't, I don't know how I missed it, but uh, his ex-wife phoned me. Uh, just prior to him uh, getting sick, they had actually split up, and he got very sick, and she said, I think it's important that you speak to him. So he and I had a, a long conversation um, on the phone, actually, and he told me what had happened to him and that he had a pretty significant illness. But uh, I knew that his life was probably not destined to be that long, but he didn't mention that. He did actually have a new partner. And what, what intrigued me was that with his first wife, I know he was so smitten with her. He was so in love with her. She was the mother of his children. They had built up a big life together. They spent a number of years together, 20 years together. and their, But their relationship started to fall away. And he decided to leave the marriage as opposed to dealing with some of the issues. And he met somebody else and was with her for probably the last six month of, months of his life. And in the obituary, there was no mention of his ex-wife. And, and that just struck me. And I thought, how can that be that there is no mention? How can you snuff away a person who was at one point in your life so important to you? And and so that really gave me pause, and it led me to start looking at other obituaries. That was one thing I did over the holidays, in addition to uh, skiing and, and um, swimming and hiking and opening presents. Um, but I was looking at other obituaries to see, do they mention their ex-wives or their ex-husbands? And you know what? Most did. And And so I wondered, what could have possibly happened his ex-wife didn't have the uh, vengeance that seemed to be displayed in this obituary that just by the mere fact of leaving her out of it. And I, I just couldn't believe that. So that has led me to uh, a subject for next week's show because we are in the final strokes of this program here, the actual final stroke. Um, but next week, I'm going to be talking about divorce ceremonies because divorce is hard. Divorce is hard on everybody, the children, the couple, the family, the parents, the neighbors, the friends. It's so difficult. And so is there anything that we can do to actually make it easier, to soften that blow? And so one of those things is divorce ceremonies. So I'm going to be talking about divorce ceremonies. I remember actually having a a divorce celebration, divorce party for a friend of mine. <laughs> and she, uh, you know, he got everything. You know, she just wasn't assertive. He got the house, he got everything. But there was this chandelier that she had gotten in a um, in an antique store, and she just loved it. And he kept it. He kept everything. And um, anyway, so we had this party for her, this divorce party, and I actually, well, we all made a, a chandelier out of a coat hanger and these decorations and, you know, and gave her sort of this um, 
the symbolic chandelier, you know, that uh, that she would be okay, that she would be okay without anything because she really ended up, she ended up with like the RRSPs, but then the uh, economy tanked and stock market went down. The RRSPs weren't worth anything. And then, of course, the housing market has soared here. And, and so he ended up with the, you know, the millions in real estate. And it was actually her house and she had built it with her mother's money and you know, I mean, it was their house. I shouldn't say it was her house, but it was her who had the money to actually build that and start them on that pathway of entering into the real estate market here in Vancouver, which is no easy feat for a lot of people. But uh, so I remember having a little divorce party for her and we had a blast and it. You know, it did help her to process that. And, you know, that chandelier was or that cheesy chandelier that we put together um, that had on it had of course it had a vibrator hung on it as well (laughs) very important ornament hanging from that she would need that uh upcoming but um yeah so next week we're going to be talking about that uh wonderful to be here with you this evening thank you to all of my guests andrew thank you so much for a bang up job for uh answering the phones that's uh always great and thanks to all the listeners the show would be nothing without you i'd been what's that song i'd be nothing without you anyway (laughs) I have nothing but the best for you. Anyway, I don't know. But go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter at back the number two, the bedroom. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. And uh, so you can find me anywhere. You can go to my, watch my TED Talk if you like, TEDx. No sex marriage, masturbation, cheating, loneliness, and shame. Order my book on my website which is Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. That's where you can get the fabulous Womanizer as well. And uh, also, if you miss the show, you can listen to it on iTunes. It is a free download on iTunes. Until next week, have a sexually healthy week. And remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I am Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.